All right, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Today is Thursday, April 27, 2023. Welcome to episode number 354 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, back in the seat, back in the A-hole chair, <laughs> Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, Philip Martin, Tree Hugger, Eric Taylor, if he's around, Andrew, no- Andy Nakamura, William Walsh, and so many others of the Simply Cyber community, both squad members and folks who are always invited to be part of the Simply Cyber community, will be tearing through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, going to have massive value for you here. So please stay with us, show up every day. I guarantee you, you're gonna get great networking, meet great people, and have a really, really beneficial value add time. So believe that. Now, before we dig into the show, I do wanna say shout out and love to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Got their site right up here on the stream. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. If you scroll down on the main webpage, you can see Eric Taylor's uh, calendar right here. I know Eric's been hosting the show for the last couple days in my absence. Want to say sincere appreciation, sincere gratitude to Eric Taylor and on behalf of all of you for being, um, you know, a very supportive audience, a very uh, good audience in in my absence. And I thought Eric did a wonderful job. I was able to tune in uh, for a few minutes each day. And I was really, really uh, pleased with how Eric handled the show and delivered it. So thank you again to Eric and all of Barricade Cyber Solutions and, and to all of you. So check out Barricade Cyber. They are uh, great, especially at incident response. I was in jury duty. I actually saw a guy get out of jury duty because his company was actually under active attack by Black Basta ransomware threat actors. And the poor guy looked like he had been shell-shocked. I, I felt terrible for him. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, uh, South Carolina owned, Brandon Poole. Uh, why would you want to call Panopsi? Listen, if you are in any capacity responsible for information security, whether you're matrixed IT, you're the CISO, whatever it is, Panopsi can do a quantified risk assessment for you, which will give you peace of mind and have evidence-based, statistically sound outputs for you to make business decisions on. Do you want to know? How much risk reduction you get for a $25,000 investment? A quantified risk assessment can tell you that. Perhaps you want to go YOLO and invest $75,000 into cybersecurity. What can that seventy-five dollars do you? And is it worth the risk reduction over what the $25,000 would be, for example, guys? You can't just... You can't just stroke checks and, and like that equals security. The business has got to get their head around that. There is return on investment on um, your cyber risk reduction for dollars spent. And I know it's not always, but it but it can be. So a quantified risk assessment can actually help you um, not spend as much and get more risk reduction. So definitely worth checking out. Also, much love for XM Cyber, but more from them at the uh, mid-roll. Also want to say a little love, guys. Grant me this because I didn't do it yesterday. Uh, ACI Learning, IT Pro TV, now IT Pro by ACI Learning. Uh, great spot uh, to binge uh, c- cybersecurity education content, audit, IT, cybersecurity. You can get 30% off uh, with Simply Cyber 30, I believe, <clears throat> is the code. Yeah, Simply Cyber 30. <clears throat> but <clears throat> if you're a U.S. veteran of the military, you can get 60% off. And it's great content. I'm actually going to be interviewed by them on May 25th. So stay tuned for that. I had to yell at my dog there for a moment. All right, so let's haul it back. Guys, I've missed uh, the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Hopefully, uh, everybody is doing well. I saw that the community challenge continued to tick. That's awesome. I saw that you guys continued to show up and and just, you know, be awesome. That's awesome. We are officially on the 8 a.m. every single weekday morning schedule for the end of time. So you can start telling people simplycyber.io slash streams. 
8 a.m. Eastern Time. Sorry, Left Coast people, <clears throat> but it just had to be that way. Thanks, Tom Bishop. Hope everything's good with you. Joey Hyde in the house. Good to see you. Jordan Turney, I saw your name on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Very good. Guys, remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Hey, how you doing in chat? Take a screenshot, whatever you got to do. Uh, half a CPE because we're here more than 30 minutes, less than an hour, and I am delivering an informed webinar, which is the argument I would make if someone pushed back on the CPEs. If you're live with us, hashtag team live in chat, only 92 of you today. My goodness, kind of running light, aren't we? Uh, thanks, Peter Lee. It's good to be back. Um, if you're with, live with us, hashtag team live in chat. Great to see you. If you're watching on replay, I see you in the comments. Hashtag team replay in the comments. Definitely want to get credit for being here. And uh, I do love engaging with all of you. I see Chris Weaver in, in the comments on the regular. So what's up, Chris? Good to see you. If you're watching on two time 2x and I'm talking wicked fast right now until we get caught up, your team hybrid, let us know. Hey, Jim Lung, good to see you. Let me know uh, your team hybrid in chat. And then my obvious favorite, the one who I <clears throat> leave for last, but certainly not least, hashtag passive observer. If you are introverted, uh, suffer from imposter syndrome, you're new here, you're just breaking in, you're not sure how to engage the community, <clears throat> take the first step by saying hashtag passive observer in chat and watch the flood of Simply Cyber community wash over you in an awesome way. You'll love it. It's a great way to start your networking journey. And believe me, networking is so incredibly valuable. You cannot, I cannot overstate how valuable professional networking is in the cybersecurity industry. So let me take a slug of this coffee and we're going to get right into the news. Ugh. And then I don't have a lot of time for jaw jacking at the end, but I will spend a few minutes if people are interested. I did I just wild um, coincidence. I had a San Diego trip for a speaking engagement, and then I um, I had jury duty for a really uh, intense criminal trial. All right, coffee's good. Check. Simply Cyber Community, good. Check. Mod chats up. Check. All right. Let's sit back, relax, and let the awesome waves of the top cyber news wash over us. Here we go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, April 27th, 2023. Messaging app update distributes malware. Researchers at Asset report that in January, an update for the popular messaging app Tencent QQ began distributing the MSG bot malware. The attack showed hallmarks of the China-linked APT Evasive Panda, which began using the malware way back in 2012. The update came from official Tencent URLs and IP addresses. Asset reports the malware seemed targeted at an international NGO operating in the provinces of Gansu, Guangdong, and Jiangsu. China. <clears throat> All right, so a couple interesting things here. One, uh, this is a supply chain attack um, through and through. We saw very similar attacks. If you're interested in this type of attack, uh, basically where you infect the software company and make the updates that they push down to their user community malicious, uh, basically riding that trusted uh, supply chain wave from uh, repo to cu customer. Uh, very famously saw this with the SolarWinds attack. We saw it with the Kaseya attack. Uh, the SolarWinds is definitely the most well-known one. Uh, Not Petya attack, Ukraine getting hit by Russia with a wiper virus, huge story. These are all supply chain attacks. So if you're like, I don't get the supply chain, um, <laughs> I don't know why your voice would sound like that, but if you don't understand supply chain, if you don't understand why NIST cybersecurity framework added an entire category for supply chain, this is one large piece of that pie. Open source software is another piece of that pie, but we're not talking about that. So 10 cent users of this app called QQ basically download what they think is a trusted update and it's malware. Now it's much more complicated to execute this attack, which would make it more of a sophisticated threat actor attack, obviously, right? Because you have to compromise a software company. Then you have to get your code inside of their update um, flow. You have to make sure it doesn't get caught in the QA, uh, QCQA processes, the DevOps processes. Then you have to get it rolled out. And then you have to hope, in this instance, they were targeting an NGO. You have to hope that the target victim 
downloads the updates and installs it, right? So this is this is a long play, very complicated. Obviously, there's a ton of collateral damage here because everybody running that app is also going to, uh, if they update, install the malicious updates, right? So um, it, it, it's kind of crazy, honestly, where you want to, like, I want to attack Alana. Sorry, Alana, you're the first name here. Alana Boyajian's and uh, I basically send an update to all of the Simply Cyber community. You guys are all collateral damage in that instance because I just wanted to target Alana and it was easiest to get her to trust the update um, by you know by having it be kind of generic and, and, and widespread. Um, so anyways, obviously they've caught this and people can either roll it back or uninstall. Uh, certainly you can see there's IOCs. This one, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on just because we don't, Ooh, look at this. Hey, what's up graphic. You're looking good. Um, but I mean, all this, all this says, all this graphic says is what I just told you where it's a supply chain attack of the update server getting compromised. That's it. Okay. Um, most of us are not operating in China. I don't think, I think maybe once on Worldwide Wednesday, I've seen China check in. So this doesn't affect us too much. To me, the story here is almost a macro level understanding of how supply chain attacks can happen and how you should be mindful of them. Unfortunately, I just want to point this out. Unfortunately, they're very difficult to, to defend from because if you're allowing trusted software in your environment and then it gets updated with a malicious update, how the hell? How are you supposed to know that? Sorry, Kennedy. How are you supposed to know that, right? S supply chain risk management with plain security ops. Yeah, so Nathan Boland talks about third-party risk management, supply chain risk management. Yes, you would have to do this. The The only thing that I would say is you have to have, this is why you should have, uh, and it's very difficult to do, but you should have uh, kind of tight approved software allowed in your environment and not allow, you know, any Carl like, to install whatever they want and, and put whatever software they want in your environment. This is why it's a very difficult case to make to end users in the business because it does seem like three steps removed from the from the immediate impact and, and kind of like the, the not feel good that is usually uh, experienced during an active incident where people start to realize, holy crap, if I, if I, if I have bad cyber hygiene, I can get crushed. Um, we're typically this, this right here is a couple steps away. So you're not going to get that, uh, emotional buy-in and impact from the business, but just know this is a supply chain, uh, issue. And, you know, obviously you need to respond quickly, uh, if something like this is detected. Um, again, this probably doesn't affect any members of the simply cyber community, but that doesn't mean it can't be, um, you know, like Apple iPhones or Android uh, OS, you know, next month, right? It, it, the, the, the abstract of the concept of this attack can be ported over to other softwares, okay? Reclassify cyber attacks. The Chinese government revised its 2014 counter-espionage law to now apply it to malicious actors targeting government bodies or critical infrastructure with cyber attacks. So hacking something attached to the Chinese state could get you charged with being a spy. The revised law also put new responsibilities on government bodies, requiring them to report cyber incidents to relevant departments as soon as possible in order to shore up the overall software supply chain. Okay. I mean, this isn't a surprise. Um, basically, if I had... Okay, so I'm obviously not a ge geopolitical expert. I am no, and by no means uh, a Chinese policy expert. However... What I'm seeing here is a couple of things. One, um, the, the country of China is introducing law that does a couple of things. They focus on acts of espionage here, but it's doing two things. One, if you're a business in China and you get hacked, they, you have to report it to the government. Now, we, we have something similar to that in the United States. So don't think this is some like authoritative, authoritative overreach. We, we do have something like this similar in the United States, except there are qualifiers. If you have certain amounts of data, if certain kinds of data were involved in the data breach, uh, if you're a publicly traded company, right? So there, there's qualifiers, but we do have something similar to that. Obviously, China is a, I would say, hold on, uh, I'm going to qualify this as a tinfoil hat thing, okay? China is clearly a, um, adversary of the United States, right? Like on a geopolitical level, we're doing diplomacy and we're doing all these like flexes on them and stuff like that. But you would imagine that the United States cyber capability is in either clandestine man, uh, manifestations or, you know, straight up 
you know, open operations doing things to China from a cyber capability. So if you're going to attack something, the Chinese country wants to know it as soon as possible, which is why I think they're introducing this. Now, the second thing that they're doing uh, is calling it an act of espionage if a cyber attack happens. Now, to me, this is a wildly wide definition. If you attack anything connected to the Chinese um, nation's network, which to me, um, you know, without without like splitting hairs or trying to really uh, debrief this mentally live on stream right now, you could argue like, I think the internet in China is controlled by the country, right? So to me, that would mean that like anything would be uh, somehow attacking the Chinese state. I don't know if it's just like government agencies or if it's like anything like the way they said it in the story, but if that was it, that would allow them the flexibility to basically have this massive stick that says you're a spy, this is espionage, this is the worst thing, we're gonna throw you in a hole and no one's ever gonna see you again. Like that type of stick, which is really scary and it could be weaponized against you know, uh, journalists and, and like anyone who's like trying to dig into something to figure out what's going on. Also, and very scary, you should keep this in mind, this is actually covered in uh, Nicole Pelross, uh, This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends. Great, great read, wonderful book. Okay, um, you know, U.S. citizens who worked for NSA that did execute um, kind of like hacks and stuff on or, or are continuing to execute hacks on behalf of the United States. Right. So you work for the NSA or you work for the Marine Corps and they're like, this is our target. Um, hack in and do something to it. And you do it because those are your orders. Well, now you're uh, an enemy of the state of China because you just committed espionage. So if you ever travel to China you know, like you could get, you could get arrested, right? So, cause you're breaking their law. So you've got to be careful with these type of things. Um, I mean, this, that, that's all I have to say about this Chinese law. Um, it doesn't surprise me. I'm surprised they're even going through the, uh, and this is so cynical, but I'm surprised they're even going through the, the, uh, pageantry of, you know, this right here, whereas like, you know, they can just disappear people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, whatever. Okay. Malware free cyber attacks on the rise. According to figures from CrowdStrike, threat actors performed 71% of all enterprise cyber attacks it observed in 2022 without malware. Instead, attackers increasingly use legitimate tools to compromise networks. In a case study presented at RSA, CrowdStrike detailed the work of the Spider Cybercrime Group using this approach. This involved extensive social engineering to tailor a phishing email to obtain login credentials. Then the attackers used those credentials to set up an AnyDesk account. The attackers also used local hardware or services like DigitalOcean to avoid sending data to unusual domains. Yep. NVIDIA tool. All right. Yes. So check it out, y'all. Malware free cyber attacks are on the rise. This is basically, uh, and I saw Eric talk about the, something similar to this. This is uh, living off the land. You may hear, hear that term also. Um, all, here's a great, um, uh, here's a great resource, LOL bins. Where's the, hold on one second. I want to, yeah, here it is. Check this resource out. Bookmark this, especially if you're a SOC analyst, blue teamer, differ, uh, aspiring, uh, blue team analyst. This, this right here is awesome. Okay, this is called living off the land, and this is what they're talking about in the, their instance. Guys, get it out of your head that like everything is like elite zero day hacks and custom obfuscated malware and all of the you know like ooh like super sexy like Mr. Robot like I'm 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 like real time writing a custom Python payload with zero errors when it gets compiled or interpreted the first time. No no no, malware free cyber attacks. I convinced Nathan Bolin through whatever means necessary to get his user credentials. I then log into Nathan's machine and use the IT tools that are on his machine guaranteed to take over his machine and then to move laterally within his environment. Then I install, they said in this story, any desk, but any remote access solution, which won't show up as malware. You can run 
Microsoft Remote Desktop into VirusTotal and it's going to come back with zero because it's a legit tool used for IT administration. They also said, and this one really is painful, they'll use DigitalOcean or they didn't say this, but believe me, they'll use DigitalOcean or Google Drive or OneDrive. They will use legit file sharing services to host you know, other payloads or to exfil data to because nobody, not you, Chinadu, not you, Peter Lee, not you, Taekwon Gong, are going to block OneDrive at the firewall. You're not going to do it because your business uses Office 365. So now you've got to go a layer deeper of like packet inspection level firewalls, which no one's going to do because of the overhead. Or you could do uh, CASB, or you could do DLP, which never works well, right? And I know I've fought people before um, about DLP working well. But my point is, they're using these things that look benign. They're not malware. They're using legitimate tools that, that are totally acceptable, look benign, are benign, but are weaponized in, an, in a bad way uh, in order to execute their full attack. And by the way, at the end of the day, once they own you, once they have system level access, once they've exhaled your data, they have everything. Then, you know, then it's like, what's the action on objective, right? If they're going to ransomware you, now they've installed malware, right? That's ransomware would be malware at that point. But if they're just doing espionage, if they're just screwing with you, uh, it depends on what the action on objective is, right? But just know, not all cyber attacks, not all threat actors need to use malware. In fact, you could even argue endpoint detection and response tools um, like are looking for malware. So by not using malware, you're able to, you know, kind of hide a little bit better and not get detected. Now, I do want to point out if you're a really good um, detection engineer, if you're a, you know, a higher level SOC analyst, or if you're looking to improve yourself uh, as a SOC analyst and make your candidacy more um, appealing for potential employers, you should analyze these techniques of malware-free attacks, be able to describe them, and then be able to say how you might detect them, right? So just because, um, just because like ASP.NET compiler is a legit binary that could be on your machine, well, if this, uh, like a PowerShell command runs and then pushes some kind of, I don't know, like, base 64 encoded garbage into an ASP net compiler and then dumps out a, a brand new binary or something like that, that behavior is bad, right? AT doesn't work anymore. That's actually deprecated. But um, on older machines, right, if you find a Windows XP machine in an environment, you could do AT to upgrade your um, permissions. But my point is like, you can you can use detection error engineering to hook some of these things together and be able to detect bad. Uh, if you can do that, that's incredibly valuable to businesses and it can make you a more compelling candidate. So just, you know, little little food for thought and, and be mindful that like this is what's happening. Malware free attacks. Kit for safer language models. NVIDIA released Nemo guardrails, an open source toolkit to help make models like GPT-4 accurate, appropriate, on topic and secure. Guardrails sits between the user and the language model and can be scripted to prevent certain topics or double-check answers for accuracy by asking another large language model. It works with models that follow instructions and use the LangChain framework with included code, examples, and documentation. Any company can implement Guardrails or pay NVIDIA for a hosted version. Some companies already implemented Guardrails to improve chatbot output, with NVIDIA citing Zapier as an example. Okay, so this is interesting. So NVIDIA's released a um a bot. Hold on. Shall we play a game? All right, thank you, Joshua. So NVIDIA's released uh, a tool called Guardrails, which basically um tries to put some type of uh control around AI outputs. Now, my first thought was Great cash, homie. Why would a business pay for this? If ChatGPT is already puking out information, whether or not it's you know factually accurate, whether or not it's a manipulative outputs, it's still dumping them out, and people are still going ham all over the world on AI and ChatGPT and stuff. So why would you invest in this? Then I thought while the story was continuing to go on, if I'm a business and I'm going to lay off some staff or I'm going to integrate AI 
all over the place to be like a tier one response, like interface with customers through website or whatever, you better, be you better believe that I want those AI bots to give my customers good answers, helpful answers, value add answers, not uh, confident lies, not manipulative, not emotionally jarring. So I could uh, see a lot of businesses investing in this, just especially if Nvidia priced it uh, correctly. So it becomes like not a big deal. Um, but I guess the one thing here, it's not really a cybersecurity story, but the one thing here is it's nice to see that the industry is taking pause, for lack of a better term, to ensure that, guys, AI is not going anywhere. Like I've said it before, mark tape. We lived in the information age. We have just entered the AI age. People will look back and talk about this phase of time as the AI age because it's it that's what is going on, okay? So it's good to see that there's some... AI on <laughs> some AI on AI action going on. It's so hot. Uh, but no, I appreciate it. And um, I hope we can, you know, move forward in a, in a, you know, deliberate, safe, controlled uh, way. Now a word from our sponsor, Tynes. Ask anyone at RSA. Security teams can't operate in a silo. No SOAR solutions enable users to dynamically collect information outside their systems and use it at multiple points in an automated workflow. But Tynes does. With Tynes, users can exchange real-time information outside its platform and use it to drive automated workflows. Visit Tynes.com build to learn more. All right. Hacking. I know you guys have been missing this. All right, welcome everybody to the mid-roll. If you're new here, this is where we take a hot minute. Thank the sponsors again. Thanks Barricade, thanks Panopsi, thanks XM Cyber. If you're getting educational value, if you're getting entertainment value, if you're getting any value, take a hot second, hit the like button. I know it's inconvenient. I know it can be a burden to find the like button and hit it, but it takes one second. And the most important thing it does is it tells YouTube that people who watch cybersecurity content like this video. And by liking this video, YouTube will tell other people who are searching for cybersecurity content about this video, which helps them find Simply Cyber, which helps them move faster, meet the community, you know, basically all the good things that are Simply Cyber are doing. It helps other people find that. So pay it forward, hit the like button, you probably found us because somebody hit the like button and it pushed it to you. So pay it forward. All right. Thanks so much to XM Cyber for their uh, sponsorship. Guys, I want to let you all know that right now organizations are overwhelmed in general. This is a, like a constant with thousands of exposures across their cloud and on-prem infrastructure. And it happens on a monthly basis. There's no getting around it. There's no digging out of it. It's just you're getting smashed by waves over and over and over and over and over again. So reducing this risk is pretty much impossible, but you can discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue and more importantly, actually reduce cyber risk in a meaningful way with a new approach. And you can find more about it in XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. Great report, several pages, statistically uh, backed based on actual telemetry, not just shooting from the hip on a train bound for glory. Go to the link in the description below. I think it's a bit.ly link or a tiny URL and download this report. Um, I've got it. I'm this guy who prints it out and then folds it like a little book. And then I've got my like little paper. So um, I've, I've enjoyed it y'all. Um, so go check it out. Thanks to XM Cyber for the support. Uh, more from them. Queen of the Nile with the super chat. What? We just become best friends. Yep. Thank you so much, Queen of the Nile, for the super chat. Genuinely appreciate it. Guys, I'm really, really pumped. Uh, if you want to get the newsletter, I send it out every Monday. If you didn't open it on Monday, I actually resent it out this morning before I jumped on. Uh, check it out. There's value in the newsletter. It's basically straight to the point. Here are three pieces of actionable intel for three different audiences that you may be responsible for. 
Sign up for it. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. It's not spam. And I, it won't hurt my feelings if you unsubscribe. I only want you to, to use it if it's valuable for you, okay? So check that out. All right, so definitely want to say thank you to all of you for continuing the Simply Cyber Community Challenge while I was uh, away from the desk. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an ongoing effort of the Simply Cyber Community to engage and build each other's network. Each day, one member tags uh, a member and that member goes on LinkedIn and shares their cyber story, their why, their drive, their motivation. And they add the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge into that post. Go find it if you're in this community and listening and engage with that post. Build your own network. Connect with the people that are not first level connections in the comments and in the post. Believe me, you will get value out of having a professional network. Jen DeWitt, uh, looks like Jen DeWitt just tagged Aspect CyberSec, Brian Waterbury, who did accept. All right, Brian. Thanks, Jen DeWitt, for continuing the chain. I appreciate that. And um, Brian, it's on you, man. You've got the you've got the, the baton. Take it, take it, take it. Get mad value. Thank you all so very much. Let's slide back into the stream. An ESA satellite. Security researchers from Thales and members of the European Space Agency plan to show an in-depth attack scenario against one of the agency's satellites at the CISAT conference in Paris. This comes in light of recent U.S. intelligence documents reported on first by the Financial Times, which outlined how China began developing methods to mimic operator signals to satellites to potentially seize control of the hardware. This demonstration targets the ESA's shoebox size OPSAT, first launched in 2019. The attack made it possible to compromise the data sent back to Earth, including altering image files. This is believed to be the first ethical hacking demonstration against the satellite. Cool. All right, so several things going on here. First, I'm not going to lie, guys. I had FOMO from HackSpaceCon, since we're talking about space here. HackSpaceCon looked good. Like, it looked good. There was, like, a lot of great pictures and media posts and network shares and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, FOMO. So FOMO. So just, just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, so check it out. Hackers in an ethical hacking show that they can take over a satellite. Now, guys, hack the sat, hack satellite, um, satellite cybersecurity. This is not new. It's been around for quite some time. Uh, what is interesting in this is that it sounds like um, not only could you maybe hack the satellite and reroute it or have it, you know, uh, come into the atmosphere and actually burn up and crash uh, a, a crude denial of service attack. But this one's really cool because you're able to hack the net, uh, the data being transmitted out of it. So think of it as like, think of the satellite as just an endpoint on your network, okay? Cool. It's Carl's laptop, it's Tommy's IoT web webcam, it's just a satellite and it's on a network, all right? It just happens to be 20 miles over the earth. So when that endpoint, the satellite, sends data to some other endpoint, right? Using networking, right? I'm sure they use the OSI stack, a man in the middle attack could compromise that data anywhere on that stack, right? Probably not in in transit, probably before it gets sent. But you could alter images, right? Say you're building like a nuclear uh, missile launch pad. Well, wouldn't it be nice to wipe that from the images before it's sent back? So now um, military or defense people are making decisions based on the intel that they have but the intel has been compromised now this is a elegant attack because it's an attack on integrity we talk about the cia triad if you haven't heard about that welcome to day one of infosec cia triad is the three main security objectives um, that we are responsible for and don't come at me with this newfangled five levels where non-repudiation is one and authentication is another. It's CIA. I'm old school. I got gray in my beard. That's the deal. Uh, availability is the crude one, uh, denial of service attacks, but integrity always gets treated like a second-class citizen because it's difficult for people to wrap their head around. Well, this right here is a perfect textbook example of hacking and compromising the integrity. People are making decisions based on the image data that's coming back from the satellite, and it's not accurate. It has been compromised. So that's really interesting. Um, also, I hope to God, guys, when we talk about um, 
yeah, this would be incredibly difficult to replace as well, right? You can't just swap out um, a satellite. Now, here's one interesting thing that comes to my mind the second I heard this story. We in the industry have been bellyaching for years about IoT devices. Oh my God, these IoT devices, they're so simple. They're running basic, you know, stripped down Linux boxes. They're running just busy box. They're, you know, kind of quasi unsafe. They, they've got default creds, um, a million different things, right? They're difficult to update. They just get put on the network. Compromise, 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 right? IoT devices, why do I need a smart toaster? Why do I need a smart blender? Okay, guys, here's my thing. I wonder when these satellites were sent up, if they were treated almost like IoT devices. Because think about this. We had the same idea in the 1970s when they were building OT infrastructure. Well, let's do the risk model. Like, let's do the threat model. We're going to send a satellite up. Can anyone physically get there? Yes, but very, very difficult. They'd have to have a space program. Okay, so that's fine. Can they hack into it? Like, can they, can they like, ping it on the network? Can Shodan see it? No, not really, because... It's not, you know, it probably doesn't have like an IPv4 public routable address space. It's, it's probably got some private IP array. Okay, so the threat model is really low. We do not need to incorporate all sorts of additional levels of security because of the threat model. So send that sucker up, change the default creds, high fives and tacos, let's get out of here. Well, now it's been demonstrated that it, that that threat model has changed hackers can't or hackers security professionals can target it security professionals can compromise it so now it's very i mean to me it would be really difficult to update the security posture of these devices be, for the same reasons the engineers can't fly up there and change it they can't swap out the firmware now maybe they can through a uh, remote uh, update and patch but it sounds like it could be tricky so um, anyways, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, this is only scary if we're depending on satellites, um, for like national security, but just know that this is an area of security research that's ongoing. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, a DEF CON like satellite village. There's already like an aeronautical village and there's a car hacking village, right? I'm kind of merging those two. I could see a satellite hacking village sponsored by like NASA or something. Papercut flaw exploited in the wild. The print management software company Papercut claims to have over 100 million users across 70,000 organizations. That big attack service was put at risk according to a new security advisory from the company. This alerted customers that it patched a critical vulnerability in its two print management products under active exploitations. While patched in March, those still vulnerable were at risk of remote code execution with no need for credentials. A separate, although less severe vulnerability, could also allow attackers to access user information stored on print servers. Researchers at Huntress found roughly 1,800 exposed papercut servers online, with attackers potentially able to use the flaws to install legitimate remote access software to gain a backdoor. Considering... All right, I know that Eric covered this story a couple days ago. Because uh, I caught that part. Here's the deal. If you're running Papercut, you know you're running Papercut. Because it's like a print management software solution. And guess what? Carl. <laughs> Carl's not installing Papercut and manage it. That's that's a IT nerd issue. Hey, my machine. Hey, like. Hello? Yeah, it, my printer's not printing. Come fix it. Right? That That's what this is. So there's no way there is like shadow IT of Papercut print management software. So put that uh, down as a fact. Second of all, if you're running paper cut, like basically normally you can't always just patch all the things, but this one patch it. Okay. Um, it leaves you grossly exposed Russian backed threat actors, clop ransomware gang, who's no joke uh, are exploiting it and compromising businesses. Okay. Guys, I'm telling you, I saw a guy on Monday who got out of jury duty because his company was actively recovering poorly from a ransomware attack, okay? You do not want to be a victim of a ransomware attack, okay? So you've got to be vigilant. You've got to shore up your defenses. If you're running paper cut, make it a priority to get it shored up, okay? A dark web in the metaverse. 
At RSA, researchers at Trend Micro detailed some of the issues about potentially emerging equivalents I to did. the dark web I did, within the overall concept of the metaverse. Similar to existing unindexed sites, a metaverse equivalent could present additional difficulties for law enforcement to infiltrate. Researchers speculate that things like virtual spaces controlled by authentication tokens, combined with potential geofencing limitations, could make traditional law enforcement approaches, like sinkholing a server, ineffective. The researchers recommend organizations be proactive with security as they begin expanding into the metaverse and assume bad actors are already there. Okay. All right. Now, all right. I appreciate this story. I appreciate that it was at RSA. I appreciate that it's got an incredibly hot, sexy, spicy, spicy title and story. And I'm sure it got a lot of people at RSA to step into it and check out the story. Okay. Now, let's pause for a minute. First of all, the metaverse is imploding, right? We see what Facebook is doing, right? So l let's just put a pin in that for a second. Second of all, metaverse version of the dark web could be impenetrable. Like, I'm not an expert on it, so qualify that. But dude, how is it any different than the dark web now? Like, you can't get there unless you're on tour, right? Ooh, like you could still put geofencing in place now. You can still use certificates to control access to, you know, rooms or servers on the dark web, AKA, like they said, using NFTs to enter secret spaces in the metaverse. There's no... To me, there's nothing new here. There's no new technology. There's no internet three. There's no, like, all you're doing is changing the, like, presentation layer of where the threat actors are operating. Okay, now let's, let's, let's deal with it, okay? Let's just pretend the metaverse introduces some new technology, okay, that threat actors and criminals are able to leverage like it's it's difficult for me to even pretend that this scenario is legit simply because everything that they already have can be mapped into these things again please let me know in the chat maybe i'm wildly incorrect but i i don't think i am on this one but they're gonna law enforcement is here we go law enforcement's gonna do what they always do okay they're gonna pinch low-level thugs right or, or you know whatever some some threat actor they're going to turn them they're going to leverage their access which will work through the geofence which will have the access which will have the right terminology which will have a legit approved account and then they're going to infiltrate these criminal orgs start flipping other people until they take over the metaverse criminal gang and then they're going to operate it just like they did with hive and until the threat actor community figures out that it's a law enforcement controlled instance, and then they start scurrying like roaches or palmetto bugs if you're in the low country, and then and then they're gonna and then they're gonna go after everybody and issue subpoenas, issue indictments, arrest people, and there's nothing new here. Like I guess consider this a hot take. Percy! Like I find that this right here is a sensationalized concept for non-tech people. To, to, to be scared, right? Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. It, it seems like FUD. I, you guys, last year, this time last year, I, I like did a bunch of metaverse um, research. I gave a talk in the metaverse. I like, I, I like literally, I gave a talk on the metaverse in the metaverse some of you attended if you recall i was like walking around i like made a model of myself in the metaverse i was at black hat speaking on a trend micro panel as a expert on metaverse okay so i've got some background on this i'm just saying i don't think that this introduces any new level of challenge that doesn't already exist i mean i'll, I'll read the story I'll, I'll do this a little bit more but i find um, this story slightly misleading, honestly. I guess, I guess this is like that meme where um, the guy's drinking coffee and he's got the sign that you can write on that says like, um, you know, whatever. ChatGPT is is or uh, I don't know, like <laughs> I don't like third-party risk management is real. Like, uh, fight me or convince me I'm wrong or whatever it is. 
Um, this one right here, like the deep verse, like doesn't introduce new new risk. But. Google Authenticator syncing isn't end to end encrypted. The search giant recently updated its popular Authenticator app to support backup syncing to a Google account. While a welcome feature, security researcher Tommy Misk discovered the network traffic syncing those codes isn't end-to-end -end encrypted. This brings obvious security concerns, as the traffic contains the seed used to generate the codes. Anyone accessing that through a compromised server could use that to generate their own codes. Misk also notes Google itself could view the data, raising privacy concerns as well. Do we really... All right. Um, not good. This isn't good, but... Did I want to know if Google fixed it? Um, all right, so this sucks. This is like classic security vendor. Google acknowledged the data is not end-to-end -end encrypted, but said the feature is coming at some point. Here's a fun fact, okay? And I, 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 I guess I kind of work for a, a vendor now, um, but here's a fun fact. <laughs> Anytime you ask a vendor for a feature that they don't have in their product, they will tell you it's coming. Typically next quarter, next quarter, next quarter. Hey, does your tool do this? No, but we have it on the roadmap. Hey, does it do this? No, but it's coming next quarter. Whether it comes or not uh, remains to be seen. It typically does not. Um, but this is not good, right? This is kind of a, a fundamental security issue. Obviously, if a threat actor is able to do this, they'd have to compromise a Google server. Then they'd have to target your account. They'd have to successfully authenticate a new seed of a multi-factor authentication. Uh, and get you. Now, it's, this is sophisticated and involves a lot of work, but if you're a high value target, um, it's it's possible. Uh, it's important to note, again, that multi-factor authentication is not a silver bullet, is not a um, stone cold lock of the week security control. It's just another layer of defense that a threat actor would have to get through in order to fully compromise you, okay? Um, so just you know, keep that in your, in your risk model as far as like, oh, like what, what, what's my current risk uh, posture? Oh, we have MFA, so we're good to go. No, no, no. But it definitely is better than nothing. Um, I would imagine Google is going to fix this pretty soon. Google, I, again, in Nicole Powerall, this is how they tell me the world ends. There's several different chapters or, you know, pieces of uh, content around Google and how Google responded to Aurora. If you... Aurora, which I know, which I know is a mouthful here, but if you, if you even for a minute question uh, Google and what their their belief is about security, read here's a Wikipedia page on Operation Aurora. Um, dude, Google responded swiftly with this one, right? This was this was Google, yeah. Uh, okay, so. You know, after reading that and hearing these stories and stuff like that, Google's no joke, okay, uh, when it comes to that. So I would imagine that they're going to fix this soon. Uh, but just be mindful if you're leveraging Google Authenticator in your environment. And remember to remind your, you know, constituents that MFA is not a silver bullet. All right. So it looks like we're right at time. 845. Shout out to NCC Group and Base Case for... You know, this guy's been out for a week and I still nailed it on time. Holla, 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 holla. Let me do uh, some music here. Guys, we didn't miss a beat here. Want to shout out and say holla. If you were here just for the news, thank you so very much. I want to remind you at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, every Thursday mostly, we have a long-form guest interview, kind of a, a, a traditional classic Joe Rogan-esque podcast. Today, we're talking to Ryan Lervik. He's the CEO of Nuvik, uh, worked at McKinsey, worked at the Pentagon. The dude is really cool. Uh, he just wrote a book. He's an expert on risk and cyber risk specifically. We're going to talk to him. He's at RSA, so we can ask him about RSA as well. Um, I'm, sli I'm slowly sliding back into hosting duties and simply cyber duties. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. I hope you can join us. Links in the description no links are not in the description below but i'm going to share it right here in stream so you can also google simply cyber uh or simply cyber.io slash streams it will come up uh, please join us at 4 30 p.m today uh and get with us on that one 
Looks like we had kind of a short number today. We've been averaging like 270 uh, before I left. And now we, we hit 170, so I'm not sure. Let everybody know that uh, the show is fully operational. And uh, we're good to go. I've got a produced video coming out on imposter syndrome. If you're interested in that, it's with the editors right now. That'll be out next Wednesday. I actually share two personal stories of experiences in my career where I suffered or suffered from imposter syndrome and what those what those humbling experiences looked like, how I broke through them, and how I even struggle with it today uh, in some capacities. Um, so let me, let, if you were here just for the news, peace out. Uh, I'm going to spend just a few minutes jaw jacking. I am allowed to talk about the court case now. The judge said I could. Uh, basically, um, basically, um, this individual um, in a gas station got into an altercation with somebody in the uh, in the the part where you pay and get your you know uh, your big gulp drink and your your whatever like the register part. Got into a, a verbal altercation, went to her car. Um, the victim paid for their stuff, went to their car, and then the uh, the defendant or the 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 person who was found guilty ultimately. Um, took a steak knife and stabbed them, <laughs> like, like stabbed them, uh, right, like it really badly, and um, that was the case. And, and, and in fact, the case, um, the defense was like that. They opened with, <laughs> they opened with, my client did commit this crime, and now it's more about like what level of crime because they have different degrees of assault and battery. There's there's four different degrees. And the defense was claiming that they wanted the lower degree and the offense was claiming they wanted the highest degree. So pretty insane, pretty insane, honestly, super like it's unbelievable. Like, like we had to go through the entire chain of custody. It was like two hours of like anyone that touched <laughs> anyone that touched the evidence. Like we had to hear from them for 20 minutes. Like, what do you do? Where do you work? How long have you done it? Did you touch this evidence? Yes. Next person. Rinse, repeat. It was like, oh. So anyways, yes. So that's the deal with that. Um, I was in San Diego. Uh, beautiful. I want to give a shout out to who I'm calling Boston Rob. Um, I got picked up. I shared it on Discord. Um, I was picked up at the airport by a simply longtime simply cyber community member who I have spoken with, but never met in real life. Uh, he picked me up with his son, Teddy. Uh, we went and had tacos, which was excellent. He showed me a, a little bit around, uh, Pacific beach. Um, I saw a couple, you know, uh, landmarks, if you will. Um, and then went to La Jolla, Torrey Pines, where I stayed in an absolute gorgeous, uh, hotel, uh, went for a run, on the beach i've got some video i'll share on the discord server um and then i gave like what i would consider a banging talk um <laughs> to a bunch of uh medical insurance professionals but it was riveting it was riveting and then i had a uh, baked haddock wrapped in bacon for dinner and then high-fived everyone and then i went and got on an airplane boston rob yes exactly william welch uh, they did keep the courtroom very cold, unfortunately. Yeah, so Jordan Turney, uh, beach running does stink. Uh, fortunately, there's actually, if you Google Torrey Pines Preserve, uh, there's actually like a really nice um, like trail system that's hard-packed dirt uh, up there. Very, very cool. That's That's what I ran on. Thanks, Joe and Bruno. Good to see you. Oh, Allison Van Stone, you can't have FOMO. You were at HackspaceCon and you photo documented it gloriously, I might add. Yeah, beach running, beach running's fun if it's hard. If it's not, you like just blow your calves out instantly. Um, guys, uh, this hasn't been discussed. Again, I've been all sorts of backed up um, all week and uh, with 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 jury duty and stuff. Uh, I I believe if if it if it pleases the court. Uh, I think we're going to try to have a Simply CyberCon live stream update stream tomorrow, uh, if time allows. I haven't discussed this with any of the <laughs> Simply CyberCon 
um, coordinators, but it just seems like it's we're due for an update and progress has been made. I actually have to buy a piece of technology for Allison and Kimberly, um, which I've been delin like delinquent on. Um, guys, I got to tell you, um, this is, I guess, just kind of a personal um, revelation. Like San Diego and jury duty, like for especially jury duty forced me off of tech. Like I, I couldn't really engage with Simply Cyber. I couldn't really engage with my job. And I think it was actually a really positive thing. I've been going so hard, like for like the last 18 months, like really hard the last six months. Um, the Citadel just ended. Finals were yesterday. Um, I, I think it was a, a mental break. I, like I was basically forced to take, um, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have predicted, um, the value it would have given me, but, um, I definitely think it was well, uh, well, well needed. So, uh, yeah. So anyways, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad all of you are here. Uh, I hope you guys had uh, a good time. I missed you. Um, but I'm back. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else is coming up? Um, I've got that course coming up that I've been teasing a little bit. I got to wrap that. Um, the Alyssa Knight stuff I've been delinquent on. I've, I've actually got to put a schedule together. The family and I are going, uh, on the road for five weeks, very much like we did last year. So be mindful of that. Thanks, Ian Kincaid. Appreciate it. Thank you. Shuttle Crab. Um, who are the folks trailing the Cyber 101 course Jerry was putting together? Oh, trialing. Yeah, so Shuttle Crab, uh, the Cyber 101 course, I've continued to develop. Um, that is, that is, um, that, so here's the thing with the Cyber 101 course. I was like on the fence. Do I make it two courses because it's massive? Do I make it one course? What I've decided to do is make it one course. Now, it is an entire college semester level course. It has a lot of content in it. I'm also collaborating. Like, I've been going through a lot of, like, paperwork and formalities. I'm collaborating with um, a college in Massachusetts where this curriculum will be accepted as... Um, college credit, right? So basically the entire curriculum, people who go to the community college will take this curriculum. And if they go through it and pass it, it will be accepted as um, transfer credits, college credits, and, and, and enable them to transfer from the community college into the full college. Now I've talked to them about that. And I said, I want this to be able to be transferable to any school. And they said, oh, yeah, that's totally possible. We can do that. And I said, will you help me with that? And they said, yes. So not only am I going to be giving a huge course that's going to be like Cyber 101, so it's designed for anyone, but I will also provide documentation and essentially like a package uh, that you'll be able to take and fill out a couple, you know, blank spaces, but I'll do the, the, the brunt of the work. Um, you'll be able to take in hand to... WGU or hand to, you know, College of Charleston or University of Massachusetts or UCAL Berkeley or wherever, hand it to them and it will already be pre-qualified essentially um, as transferable college credits. Okay, so I'm doing that, which takes time. Um, so just stay tuned. I'll tell you what the course I'm doing with. Um, the, the course I'm doing that I've teased out with XM Cyber, basically, that is, that's going to get published next. I'm almost done with that. And then the Cyber 101 course is the priority. And I will have people um, who, uh, you know, hopefully can beta test it with me. Um, and then it'll be out and running. And then after that, if you guys care, um, while I was on the flight to San Diego, I actually drew out and mapped out a four-day live cohort class think of how john strand runs his classes uh for pay what you can i mapped out a four-day um basically um like what did i call it um practical vulnerability analyst course so i have a live four-day course i've already built the curriculum not the curriculum i've built the outline i know what i'm going to do uh for a 
vulnerability analyst course, right? So think of the G the master GRC analyst course. I've made one that is kind of similar for the vulnerability management analyst role in cybersecurity. Because I feel like there's a lot of those roles, so it could be useful for folks. But um, just stay tuned. Oh, thanks, Gregor. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I can't speak to Germany colleges and universities and transferable credits, but certainly United States. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for me. I gotta, I gotta get to work. As many of you know, when you take days off, your your work doesn't care. <laughs> it just stacks up. So, holla, guys. If you're at RSA, enjoy yourself. Come back at 4:30 today for uh, the live stream interview. I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber. You guys are all wonderful. Until next time, stay secure. Hold on. I don't like that song. I don't like this song either. Let's see this one. Okay. I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber. You're the Simply Cyber community. Until next time, stay secure. <laughs>